Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So this is uh, called name-calling, and um, I was thinking about this, this uh, presentation when I was in India, in, uh, in Vrindavan, and uh, the first thing that I was thinking about is uh, that we actually we live in, in a world of names, right? There's, there's names for everything. Um, here's one list of names of most, a lot, a lot of these are computer companies, right? And there's just so many different names, right? Of, uh, of Google and Lenovo and Sony and Nokia and Canon and PayPal, et cetera. Um, whether it's cars, whether it's computers, whether it's makeup, whether it's, you know, you name it, uh, there's, there's names for everything. We live in uh, the world of names. There's also uh, luxury names. Right? Some of these are, for those of uh, the uh, more wealthy folks in the world, uh, they're familiar, more familiar with these names. Or actually, we may be familiar as wannabes. Right? We'd like to um, be connected with some of, some of those names. Mm? Uh, so there's brand names, as we call them, in the world. Right? And there's also people names. And these are all, I don't, I don't think there's anyone on this list who's still alive. Right, so they're 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 alive in name only, or at least in this body. Uh, we we understand from the Bhagavad Gita they're somewhere else because uh, the soul is eternal. Um, so the, we live in a world of names, and uh, I was thinking about this one statement that uh, our founder, whose uh, statue is here, Murti is here, Srila Prabhupada, said a very strong, powerful statement about the nature of this world, right, and. Uh, he says that the whole material creation is a jugglery of names only. In fact, it is nothing but a bewildering creation of matter like earth, water, and fire, a combination of these things. And, and we, we it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a very powerful statement. It's just a, a world of names. We attach a name to a certain object, mm -hmm. like that. And since he mentions here earth, water, and fire, I thought it would be good to uh, consider it. So, the, of course, now we're talking about material names, right? Uh, material names. Uh, and how does that relate to spiritual names? So, in the Bhagavad Gita, these three verses are, are very important verses to, to, uh, to know because it kind of gives a whole setting for this world our relationship to the world and our relationship to the Supreme. So in the first verse, Krishna says that um, the Sanskrit is bumir apo nalo vayu kangmana buddhirevacha ahankara. So that there's these uh, five gross elements, the earth, water, fire, air, ether. And then there's three subtle elements, mind, intelligence and our false ego, our false sense of who we are. And these, Krishna says, he calls them bina prakritir, or in Sanskrit, bina means separated. So this is, he says here, the constitute my material or my separated material energy. This world is made up of those eight elements. The gross ones we see everywhere, right? When you think about it, um, 
everything comes from the earth, for example, right? This table, all the food that we eat. Is there any food that we eat that doesn't come from the earth? Right? The vegetables, the fruits. Even if someone eats meat, the cows have to eat something or the pigs or whatever, and whatever they eat is from the earth. Right? So we're surrounded actually by these gifts of the Lord. And here Krishna uh, claims them to be his material energy. And then in the second verse, he says, Aparyas itas tongyang. Apara means transcendental or different than these eight elements. He says, um, besides these, there is another superior energy. And who is that? That's us, the soul, the living entity. Um, who, but unfortunately, even though we're spiritual, we're superior, we're trying to exploit this world and get, you know, grab a hold as much as we can to whatever we can in, in this world and, and consider it ours to try to enjoy. I, we were talking yesterday with, uh, in a Bhagavad Gita class and one, someone was noting that you know, on Friday, everyone says, have a good weekend, enjoy. Right? Isn't that what we usually say? Right? You know, when you come back from vacation, did you enjoy your vacation? Right? Because we were very much focused on our enjoyment. And we'll talk about that a little later as compared to giving God enjoyment, giving Krishna enjoyment. So then Krishna, so, so that's the, so you have the material energy in the first verse, the second verse, us, the soul, and then Krishna talks about himself in the third verse, in, well, it's, which is actually verse uh, number six here. All created beings, all of us, have our source in these two energies. We have this material energy, this body, and with the soul inside. Mm. But of all that is material and all that is spiritual in this world, know for certain, Krishna says, that I am the origin. Okay? So Krishna is transcendental to both the material and even us as individual souls. And he's the source of both. So therefore, we would think that if there's names for God, then they would be transcendental to the names of this world, just as God is transcendental, Krishna is transcendental to, to, to this world. Okay, so that's why I added that here. I think it's, it helps us give the philosophical context of, of what we're talking about when we're talking about God's names, Krishna's names. And uh, they're not just, uh, whoops, these kind of things, right? They're names, names, both are names, but these are names that are part of the material energy and Krishna's names, God's names are, part of, are beyond the names of this world. They're spiritual in nature, okay? So that was a, the first thing we kind of want to settle before we start getting into the names of God. <clears throat> okay, so that, that we just made that point. Um, and if we, we go through some of the world religions, obviously I'm not going to give a whole, you know, we could be here for hours talking about how all the different religions uh, and the depth in which they glorify the name of God. But this is a beautiful passage from Psalms 15 where it's, you know, praise the Lord, and listen to it. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him in, for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of a trumpet. Praise him with a harp and, what is, how do you pronounce that? Lyre, thank you. Okay. Uh, praise him with the timbrel, whatever that is, and dancing. We just did that, right? Uh, praise him with the clash of cymbals. I think they meant cartels. 
and praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And another one from, this is from a most famous one from the Bible, uh, the first beginning of uh, John, right? In the beginning, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. And uh, in the Vedic literature, it says the same thing, binatvam nama namino. The uh, nama, the name of Krishna, and the possessor of the name are abinatvam, they're the same. So Bible and Gita, uh, or uh, Vedic literature, have that similarities. Uh, and this is from uh, the Islam, uh, Islamic Sufi faith, uh, a famous uh, poet, Has Havez. I am in love with every church and mosque and temple and any kind of shrine because I know it is there that people say the different names of the one God. And then we have the Our Tradition. This is from um, the, a book written about uh, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who appeared 500 years ago. And it says that in this age of Kali, and we'll talk about the age of Kali in a few minutes, there is no other means, no other means, no other means for self-realization than the chanting, than chanting the holy name, chanting the holy name, chanting the holy name of Lord Hari. So there's, there's a thread that we can see through, uh, you know, practically all major uh, faiths of the world. This idea of, uh, of singing or chanting God's names. I went to um, a Mennonite school for my master's degree, and Mennonites had this beautiful um, <clears throat> practice of a cappella singing without, without instruments in four-part harmony, usually. And so when we had big assemblies, uh, uh, they would get into this uh, Great singing, I was saying, Jesus, Jesus, I didn't say Jesus. <laughs> Whatever I said, I said, wow, this is really nice. We should try that sometime in Kirtan, you know, I was thinking, because they really had uh, um, beautiful voices. So the next question that comes to my mind when I was preparing this is, um, you know, when we're singing uh, God's name, when we're seeing in our tradition, Krishna's name, uh, in, the, in the video of the, of the um, uh, Rabbi Kirtan, people are at a, at, a, at a synagogue and they're all dancing very much like we dance. They're really getting into the, uh, getting into the Kirtan. Mm -hmm. And someone might say, you know, this seems kind of very sentimental, right? I mean, first of all, how do you know God exists? And then even if you did, how do you, you know, this doesn't seem, you know, just kind of singing and dancing, is that, you know, is that, what's the philosophical, you know, I mean, wouldn't, isn't it better to sit down and study and, and do silent prayer? You know, this kind of seems like a very um, populist kind of uh, spiritual practice that isn't really, um, you know, very sound um, philosophically or isn't very sober in its presentation. Now, interestingly enough, that um, concern, or even you could say almost accusation, took place about 500 years ago when uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Chaitanya, he was uh, visiting uh, Benares, uh, Varanasi, in, in India. And he was, uh, that's him in the center there, and he was surrounded by all these other renunciates. 
And their understanding about renunciation was you sit, you study, you do silent meditation, you don't go out in the street or in the temple and, and put your hands up in the air and chant and have a lot of murdungas playing and kartals playing. That that was, the, uh, that was kind of the mood of a, of a sentimentalist. Okay? And they even uh, said such. Um, the first, when they were speaking amongst themselves, they were saying that this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an illiterate sannyasi. He must be. They're just making assumptions. Remember we gave a talk on assumptions about a year ago? I don't know if you remember. I remember. Uh, they were making an assumption. They hadn't spoken to him yet. But they said he must be an, an illiterate sannyasi is a renunciate. Um, and therefore, he doesn't know what sannyasis are really supposed to do, what their real function is. So he's only guided by sentiments, and he's surrounding himself with all sentimentalists. So then they went to him and they said, um, meditation and study of Vedanta, really, you know, deep study, that's the sole duty of a sannyasi. Why do you abandon those and dance with a bunch of fanatics? Right? So that was, uh, that was their uh, question. So as you might expect, then uh, at first Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he, he was very humble and he just said, my spiritual master, my Guru Maharaj, he called me uh, not a very bright person. And he said, you just chant this mantra and you'll be happy and you'll figure everything out. Then, of course, he went on to espouse some you know, amazing philosophy that left uh, all these gentlemen uh, dumbfounded. But at first, he, he presented him, himself in that way. Um, and, and I was thinking that uh, I, I always loved this quote that our founder um, writes in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, we were studying it yesterday also. Um, Religion without philosophy is sentiment or sometimes fanaticism. Have you ever seen that in this world? That religion can become fanaticism if it doesn't have philosophy? And conversely, philosophy without religion, it's all up here. There's not much going on down here. There's not much going on in the heart. It's all, it's all cerebral. It's all, it's all in the head. And it can be very dry. <laughs> right? But combining these two, and, and interestingly enough, our founder, his teacher, his guru, gave him the name that combines these two. He gave him the name Bhakti Vedanta. Right? He gave him the name of Vedanta, which is like we were saying, which uh, we uh, whoops, say here, the study of Vedanta, so the, the philosophy. But he, then he gave in front of that Bhakti, which is devotion. And in this age, the, the, the primary uh, active devotion is chanting Krishna's name, chanting God's name. Hmm? So this is such a, uh, this is a, this is a very deep thing to meditate on, that we should understand, just like those three verses from the Bhagavad Gita we covered about 10 minutes ago, that said the material world is these eight elements. We're a spirit soul, we're the soul, and then Krishna is the creator of both, right? So that's philosophy. Then what do you do with that philosophy? We hear about Krishna, we chant his name, we dance, we, 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 we then do the activities of the soul, which is offering devotion, offering love to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But Prabhupada was very concerned that, he, that, that we did not come off as 
religious fanatics who didn't have philosophy. And therefore, he spent uh, every day of his life from when he came to America at the age of 70, from, new, from midnight until four in the morning, writing books on the, on the philosophy or translating from the ancient Sanskrit into English. And so while running a worldwide organization, while traveling 14 times around the world in 11 years, my, after being 70 years old, um, he also wrote 84 books. <laughs> I, I can't write 84 sentences. Uh, so, but, and, and the large part of it is for this reason. He wanted to develop that we have a philosophical basis upon which then we can really get absorbed in our bhakti, in our devotion. And that combination of bhakti and Vedanta is, is actually uh, the, tra the tradition that he wanted to establish um, for you know, teaching to the world today. So um, before we go any further, you know how I like to do this, right? Any questions? What questions do you have so far? Very enlightening lecture. Well, it's uh, not done yet, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, reason I mentioned that, uh, you mentioned a couple of words with the uh, Vedic culture, uh -huh. uh, transcendental knowledge. And they, as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Vedic culture almost 10,000 years old. And also the, um, the word is said soul, yes. which is connected to the spirit as well. So all these things really coming out since I was born in a Hindu family. And Hindu family, as I didn't know, I'm learning more from you and this temple than I ever did before. So it's kind of intriguing that connecting from Vedic culture to Hinduism, the philosophy, the transcendental knowledge, spirit and soul, all these, how they are connected together and where we are. They're all connected in one way. They all come from Krishna. <laughs> Every, you know, uh, and yeah, why don't we just leave it at that? It's a simple answer. <laughs> Everything ultimately comes from Krishna, but these, the things that are part of the spiritual energy of the Lord, many of the things that you mentioned. Because we ultimately, what, what's so amazing is we are spiritual. We are something, we are someone spiritual having a material experience but actually we are transcendental to this. So actually, let, let me go on, and because uh, I just realized that there are some more things to cover, make sure I do that and, and leave time for questions. But I will leave time for more questions, so please consider them. So there is a theological basis to our chanting. Um, this, is, uh, that quote, this is a verse that I already quoted previously about uh, the age of Kali. Um, and in the Vedic, system, the Vedic idea of time is not linear, it's cyclical, okay? And there's four ages. And in each age, there's a different practice that is recommended in that age. And these ages last hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, a long time. So in this age of Kali, um, there's so many problems. But the one really good thing is chanting is so powerful that it can, you know, even um, make us transcend uh, American politics today, right? So there's this beautiful verse that although Kali Yuga is an ocean of faults, this age that we live in now, there is still one good quality about this age. Simply by chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, 
one can become freed from material bondage and be promoted to the transcendental kingdom. It's so powerful because um, the name and the possessor of the name are the same. So when you chant Hare Krishna, Krishna, Srila uh, uh, Prabhupada would sometimes say, Krishna's dancing on your tongue. As you, so you're in any condition, one can chant. And that's, uh, so the experience of a chanter is, this is that verse about the name being the same, that the holy name of Krishna is transcendentally blissful. Anyone experience that in kirtan sometimes? It bestows all spiritual benedictions because it, 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 it reveals who we are. It cleans the dust that's covering our heart. And, and it, the, the dust is covering the mirror. And as the dust goes away, we actually can look in the mirror and see who we actually are, spiritual. It is not a material name under any condition, and it is no less powerful than Krishna himself. There is no question of its being involved in maya. Maya means illusion. Krishna's name is always liberated and spiritual. This is because the name of Krishna and Krishna himself are identical. That's, this is, it's a powerful spiritual practice. So uh, let's talk about achieving that experience and then we'll take questions, okay? So in other words, how to practice. And we, so basically we do, in, in, in Vaishnavism, in Krishna consciousness, in ISKCON, basically two kinds of chanting. Or you could even say three. We, we do kirtan, which is like we just had in front of the beautiful deities here. Um, and uh, we do that two places, in the temple and also out in public. As Palaka Prabhu does uh, twice, uh, both Saturday and Sunday in Silver Spring. And then the other kind is on our beads, which I don't, oh, they're over there, on our, on our meditation beads, and we do that quietly. Uh, and those of us who are initiated, we, we, it takes about two hours every day to do that 16. We take a vow to, to go around 108 beads 16 times, chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. So, but either practice, this uh, would apply. And the first one is, is a do not. The rest are going to be do's. So the do not is a very big do not, is someone who's a devotee of the Lord. And that means, uh, in Srila Prabhupada would sometimes say in any tradition, don't criticize them, don't blaspheme them, don't be um, cr uh, mean or cruel to anyone who's a devotee of the Lord. And the reason is simple, that God is a person, Krishna is a person, and someone who's a devotee or at least trying to be a devotee, is dear to him. And therefore, you hurt someone who's dear to that person, they're not going to be very happy with you. Right? You know, it's a simple thing. It's just um, simple points. So, and you might say, well, I don't think that person's very much of a devotee. You know, I, I probably can give, you know, give them a little, you know, uh, trouble and Krishna's not going to mind too much because he's kind of a, he's a little, you know, Right. That's not Krishna's vision. Krishna sometimes says that a person who even chants his name once, he feels indebted to. So what to speak of, we're trying. It's kind of, it's kind of like if, you were, if someone was in the shower and you, you know, you're calling out from the bathroom door, you're so dirty, you're so dirty. Right? But they're in the shower trying to get clean. 
So they may still have some dirt, but they're trying to get clean. So this is the one thing that can make our chanting not to have us not experience this. It's the one thing that can have us not experience this. Okay, so that's, a, that's the warning. Now let's get on to the do's. When we chant, we try to chant with full attention. Because, I, because if, 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 it's Krish, if Krishna is his name, then he's right there in his chanting, right? So if Krishna walked in right now, and we just said, oh, okay, you know, and we just go on with, you know, checking, uh, you know, what are the football scores on our phone, you know, that wouldn't be very wise, right? If Krishna walked in, we'd all be like, right? So Krishna is here when we chant his name. So it's such a simple process. Keep it simple. And when we, if we're going to chant on a daily basis, some of us chant, like I said, 16 rounds. Uh, when I was on that retreat, I chanted more than 16 rounds every day. Uh, some of us chant one round, two rounds, four, eight, depending you know, on our commitment. But whatever it is, a sankalpa, in Sanskrit, that means like a vow or a pledge. And you just say, okay, for this time, whether it's for 10 minutes or for two hours, I'm going to focus on the holy name. And you make that sankalpa. It really helps to fulfill, to, to, to really get in the mindset before chanting, okay? To make that vow. And then to, to, to talk to ourselves and say, I have nothing else to do at this time. It doesn't matter what, you know, what's in the news right now. And, you know, have they found uh, the, uh, what's his name, the guy Moore running for, you know, whatever, you know, whatever is happening in the world. Just like, you know, it'll all be there after you're done with your chanting. But this is our time, our intimate time to be with Krishna. In the kirtan, out on the streets in kirtan, or when we're chanting on our beads. So we set aside that time. And be, this is where time management helps a lot, right? You, you know, you just take care, because we have to take care of our work, bless you, and so many things that we have to do in this world, right? But... Does it take any less time or more time to chant attentively or inattentively? It takes the same amount of time, so we might as well do it attentively. Right? Okay, so nothing else to do. And then just the idea is to focus on one mantra. Um, oops, one mantra. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it's... Uh, it's kind of like we have Karen here, our, our mindfulness expert. But it's, it, you know, in mindfulness, one of the first things they, they do is they try to get you to focus on your breathing. Because you can't think about your past breath or five breaths from now. You can only think about the breath you're doing right now. So similarly, when we're chanting, we should just focus on the mantra we're chanting right now. Not look at our watch and say, oh God, I still have an hour of chanting. Right? Or... Or, oh, or lamenting, oh, I just chanted, you know, five totally uh, inattentive rounds. I was thinking about my boss and, you know, how I have this deadline and, or whatever, right, that we have on our mind, right? So just to focus on that name. Uh, and this is, Prabhupada said this, just hear yourself chanting sincerely. Isn't that nice? Just hear yourself chanting sincerely. And when the mind does wander, does anyone ever have their mind wander when they're chanting? Okay, not you, okay. Um, so you just bring it back. 
from what Krishna says in the Gita, from wherever and wherever the mind wanders due to its uh, flickering and unsteady nature, bring it back under control of the self. Okay, so, and then try to have the mind kind of embrace the name, to feel surrounded by the name in Kirtan or in Japa. And detachment, we talked about this now. Whatever, if we chanted, if, we, if our vow was 16 rounds and we chanted 15 unattentive rounds, you can't get those rounds back. Don't lament about them, just this mantra that we're chanting, focus on that. There's this beautiful prayer by the spiritual master of the spiritual master, the spiritual master of Srila Prabhupada, who wrote a poem. One stanza goes, forget the past that sleeps, nor in the future dream at all, but be in times that are with thee, and fortune ye shall call. So just being in the presence, in the presence with the name, and don't worry about the past, don't think I have so many more rounds to do in the future, just I'm with Krishna now with this mantra. And I think that's the, I'll end with the story of the Brahmana and the young lady and they didn't take questions. So the uh, Brahmana, elderly gentleman, um, went off into the forest, was in the forest, and he realized that it was noon, the sun was uh, at noon. And so um, Brahmanas take uh, vows to chant what's called the Gayatri mantra three times a day. And so one of the times is in the noon, and they take out their thread. I think I have one of them somewhere here. You take out their Brahmin thread, and they and it's kind of a meditation. It usually takes five or five to ten minutes. Okay, so he was there meditating on Krishna, and this young lady is running through the forest, and she knocks him over, and she just carries on. Does no no apology, no sorry, nothing. Not, you know, she might have been wearing a sari. I meant no S-O-R-R-Y. No, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's wearing a Punjabi. Okay. Uh, okay, so she just, and she runs off. About two hours later, of course, he finishes his Gayatri, but he's still meditating in the forest, you know, still in the forest. And now she's walking back, and she sees the Brahmin. She bows down to him, with folded hands and says, my dear, my dear Sadhuji, uh, anything I can do for you? How can I serve you? And the Brahman says, all right, you know, what's going on? You know, two hours ago, you, you know, and oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, he, even when he was, when we went back to his chanting, he was kept on thinking about that, you know, this, who is, you know, what do they say? Kids these days, right? <laughs> you know, right? So he was kind of meditating on her. <clears throat> So uh, he says, well, what, you know, what's, what gives? You know, now you're all you know, saintly and want to serve me, but before you knocked me over when I was chanting my Gayatri mantra. And she said, I did that? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I, I guess I was just, well, to be honest, Maharaj, what, what happened was I was running to see my lover. And I guess I was just so fixed on seeing my lover that I didn't even notice that I knocked you down. Now I've come back and you know I'm in regular consciousness and, uh, and now I see that I've offended you and please, please forgive me. So the, the teachers in our tradition bring up this story to uh, relate it to chanting, right? That uh, we should be like the girl in the first part 
just running, the young lady, running and, and so absorbed in going to her lover, in our case, focusing our chanting on Krishna's name, that we block out everything else for that time that we're chanting. Right? And she was actually in the, and, and he, you know, got so disturbed by this little thing and you know, his mantras were all over the place because he, so, he was, so she was more absorbed than he was. So in this way, if we can be absorbed in Krishna's names for whatever time we spend with Krishna's names, we can make very, very rapid spiritual progress. Thank you, Hare Krishna. So, questions, comments. Prabhu, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Uh, we say so much about offending the devotees. Uh, we don't want to offend them. But is it not the same with non-devotees as well? Anybody we offend, uh, the taste for chanting goes away, right? No, you can go out and offend anyone you want. <laughs> <laughs> you can quote me on that. No. Uh, yes, there's, well, it, it, there's actually uh, Sanskrit terms for that. There's Vaishnava Aparad, which is what we were talking about, where a devotee, you know, one who's a devotee of the Lord. And then there's Jana Aparad. Jana just means general people. And, and we should avoid that as well. And, but particularly, it's said that Vaishnava Aparad is, is particularly um, bad. But it's not that we should be really nice to all the um, uh, devotees. Then when we get to work, we just like, you know, slash people's tires. But what, or whatever. Um, so we should, you know, matter of fact, sometimes I do that when, I, when I'm, on my, I'm on my way to work and I've, if I've chanted, if, if I've, I've usually have chanted my 16 rounds by then. Um, and then so I'm thinking, okay, what can I do to at least have some kind of Krishna consciousness during the day? And what I'll do is I'll say, okay, I'm going to treat every single person I meet today, because in my job I meet people, that's what I do, um, with respect and with kindness. Um, and I try to keep that focus with everyone I meet. And, and especially, I, not especially, but universally so. Because sometimes it's really easy to be nice to your boss or, you know, to the secretary if you work for the federal government in some big position. And then to, like, you know, treat the people who clean your room like, eh. right? So I, I, I really, I've made it a point to know the names of all the people that come and vacuum and take out the garbage and stuff like that and ask them how they're doing. And uh, the one guy, Paul, who I work with, uh, who clean, takes out my garbage, he likes um, uh, doo-wop music from the 50s. So sometimes I get on YouTube, I know he's coming, I play that when he's coming in and he feels, you know, <laughs> just, you know, just to have a little, uh, and then I give them prashadam. I give them, I buy cookies from the bake sale. This is not a paid uh, political announcement, but uh, <laughs> I buy cookies from the bake sale because uh, it's things that you know, people, Westerners can relate to, and then I distribute cookies during the week. Is that all right? So, uh, so Prabhu, just curious, so you gave one uh, don't and a bunch of do's. What if you can't do the do's? Then you're in doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> next question. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's like, let's try to use the example of a child learning to walk. Right? And so when, and so the, the mother or the father doesn't go, useless child. You know, it has to hold on to me still. <laughs> Alibaba, you know, like, you know, Get a life, kid, right? No, we, we, we have compassion for them and we, we care for them and we 
Um, and we just, and actually not only that, but we, we appreciate the sincerity of their attempt, even if they're unsuccessful, right? So similarly with Krishna, that he, um, he, he there's a name for Krishna called uh, Bhava Grahi Janardhan. And it, what it means basically is one who accepts the essence of a devotee sentiment, right? So, you know, if we, we if just like the child, you know, we, we've, we, we stumble and we have, you know, chant inattentively and, and this and that, we just uh, pick ourselves up and, and try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And Krishna, and ask Krishna to help us. Because it's true, often, in that example by Hari Prabhu, is that's Krishna maybe uh, teaching us a lesson. Because sometimes we think we're just uh, working on, our, on the strength of our own spiritual muscle. And when we become, when we realize we can't do this on our own, we need Krishna's help, that puts us in the right mindset to, um, to then become humble. And that humility takes the... Uh, humility doesn't mean low self-esteem. It means Krishna is so great, he's the only one who can help me. Please, Krishna, help me chant better. So in the second verse of the Shikshastika, there's eight verses that Lord Chaitanya personally wrote. Uh, in the second verse, it says, I commit so many offenses, Lord Chaitanya sang. And therefore, what's the natural thing? In the next verse, he says, therefore, one should be, lower, one should be very humble. And then when we're humble, Krishna helps uh, the hum humility. You don't um, strut into the spiritual world. You crawl. Is that all right? Lady question? We talk about how to stay focused on the name of the Lord, and then we also discussed to differentiate or use some discernments when someone's a devotee or a non-devotee. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that when I'm looking for association, one of the best things I can do to remember the name of the Lord would be to be with people who are also devotees. Yeah. So there's a certain level of standard as a vasanava to every human being that you treat them with respect, you humble right. yourself. But then when there's a devotee available to you, that this would be the individual that I would sacrifice for or pay attention to or maybe offer extra service to. Exactly. So there's a certain minimum standard to all human beings, whether animal, yes. human. And then there's the discernment that helps me stay in association. Perfect. By remembering the name. Exactly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've yeah, no, it's, uh, um, it's just like one time in the very early days of ISKCON, there was a slug climbing up the wall. And the devotees were so young and innocent, they were sometimes still in their teens, you know, or, and they went up, you know, Srila Prabhupada, what should, there's a slug on the wall, what should I do? And he said, chant to the poor thing. <laughs> right? So yes, there's a difference, there's a, you, I really like what you said. There's two words, there's Vaishnava Seva, and there's Jiva Dhoya. Okay? So for those who don't yet know about Krishna or about, you know, or aren't practicing any, you know, faith. We, we tried, doya means uh, compassion. We tried to give them spiritual knowledge. And Vaishnava Seva, we try to serve those who are already on the path. And a uh, matter of fact, that is the quickest way to get Krishna's attention. Right? The example that's often given, um, how many of you have ever been to Juhu? Okay, so it's a very wealthy part of Bombay. 
And uh, so Prabhupada, our, our founder, made this, gave this example. That if you go up to one of these rich people, he was on a walk on the beach, and many of the wealthy people walk on the beach of Juhu in the morning, right? Um, and he said, if you go up to a rich person, and what can you do to please them? They're wealthier than you. They have everything you want. You're going you know, to buy them a third Mercedes Benz. You know? What can you do? Right? But if you take a one in, the, in those days, probably a f 20 paisa candy, or let's say these days one or two rupees or whatever, and you give it to their child, and the child smiles and is very happy, then the father is very satisfied with you. Right? So similarly with Krishna, what can we offer Krishna? He's got everything. Right? But if we satisfy those who are dear to him, then, then that's the quickest way to get his attention. Mahat sevam dwara mahur vimuktes. When when um, mahat a great soul, when you serve sevam, then dwaram the, the gate to the spiritual world swing open. So that's the secret. And that's why you see certain uh, devotees here. I'm just thinking of you, Prabhu. Because he's always serving the devotees, always serving prasad, and always doing some service at the temple, because he knows the secret. <laughs> he knows the secret, and so many, so many of the, the people in this room. Actually, I would say almost everyone here. We—it's such a nice community when we're all in the mood of serving one another. No, you first. No, no, you first. No, you first. Sometimes it can get a little—you know—if it goes on too long, it can be a little ineffective, <laughs> but. Uh, as a general rule, it's okay. Is there time for one more? Yeah. Hare Krishna Prabhu. So you mentioned uh, about sentiments when you chant. And um, even though I don't come to the temple frequently, but I should, but when ah, I attend... very bad. You're not going to get Krishna Prabhu. <laughs> when I attend Kirtan... Oh, okay, then it's different. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of energy in the room, and I, I feel that there's a pure energy. I feel connected to something. But then I also hear from um, you know, other artists, especially like you know, dancers or singers or painters, who feel this ecstasy when mm -hmm. they create something and they're the pinnacle of their creation. So how do I know that the energy I feel here is not just a product of my brain, but something connected to bigger? That's a great question. Because um, especially sound, sound is the first creation that we hear in the Bhagavad Gita, from ether sound comes, right? Um, and music, uh, I mean, if you look at it from a uh, neuroscience point of view, right, there's the, uh, the reptilian part of the brain and the limbic part of the brain, and then the neocortex. That's the one we don't use very much. That's the logical, sequential one, right? But the limbic is where the emotions are held, right? And so that is so powerful because, for example, how many of us can remember songs from our when we were teenagers more than the calculus that we studied when we were teenagers yeah okay i thought so right you know you hear it and you know, you know it might be 50 years you, maybe you're 65 and you were 15 you still know that song right but calculus huh you know so it just went in ear one out the other um because it's it went to that that emotional side so music does that what you're just what you're describing music uh, has that effect whether it's um you know material sound vibration or spiritual sound vibration it has it has that um, effect on us so the question is what kind of effect do we want to have on us because they all have that effect so if you hear um a lot of uh 
love songs, after a while you start getting some like amorous kind of feelings, right? You hear um, some, uh, I don't know, some country western songs about, uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, patriotism. I was thinking, uh, I think Dolly Parton, how do you spell relief? D-I-V-O-R-C-E. And you start thinking, well, maybe I don't, maybe I don't need to be married anymore, you know, or whatever. You know, it, it makes an impression in the heart. So, they, so you're right in one sense. They all make impressions on the heart. The question is, what kind of impressions do we want to have? And so when we're chanting, um, and, and so most of those impressions that are within the modes of material nature that you say a dancer or artist feels, uh, usually, if, to some extent, they're self-centered. They're, they're for our enjoyment. Whereas bhakti, when we're in a kirtan, we're really trying to focus on Krishna's enjoyment. And I would, I would say that there is a different flavor. There is a different, there is a, there's a, because we're actually, when we're doing kirtan in the right mood, we're actually connecting with who we are. Whereas when we're doing uh, songs that we relate to in the material world, we're connecting who we think we are. In the, uh, in, 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 in illusion. So that we could go on, I've thought about this, and, and it's a really great question, and we could talk later maybe or another time about it more deeply, time is up. But um, does that help? Yeah. yeah, okay. Did you want to say something real quick? So in that same venue, I was at a kirtan here in this temple, and everyone was going wild. People who normally don't chant were chanting. And the devotee standing next to me said, oh, that melody is a very famous Bollywood movie song. So, <laughs> and I turned to him and I said, so are they thinking of Krishna or the movie? So... <laughs> How can you explain, like, if you take something and kind of dovetail it? If as long as it's Krishna's name, uh, it's good. Prabhupada really appreciated George Harrison's songs, and so that he was making, he was introducing Krishna consciousness to so many people. So, but we should we should make sure that we're offering our chanting for Krishna's pleasure. So, thank you very much, Hari Krishna.